Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Okay, so you want to hear a funny story? Of course I want to hear a funny story. So yesterday I went to the dentist. Mm -hmm. And while the hygienist was, uh, you know, cleaning my teeth, she was like, oh, I'm not very good with small talk. I, I only know weird facts and can talk TV shows. I was like, I can do weird facts. Did you know that back in the day there used to be an open flame in dentist offices? And she went, oh, she's from Hungary. She said, oh, my dad was a dentist and he used to have an open flame in his office back in Hungary. And I was like, wait, what? Did she, she said, know why? She said because uh, he would melt wax. Uh, well, that's an entirely different exact, dental reason. I know. And then she told me that back in the 90s, when she would get her hair done, the hairdresser would have an open flame and would uh, hot like heat up uh, like a curling iron, but it was like a pre-curling iron to curl the hair. She would like make something really hot over these like this was in hungary I take in it? hungary yeah i was going to say yeah okay anyway oh man that's my tangent for the day that is a good tangent Thank i you. got nothing to even compare to that except to ask who are you i am kate oh you are oh i'm betsy oh hello hello um wait why why what is the show we talk about open flames. Uh, yes. <laughs> I can find no part of that statement incorrect. We do do that. Um, but we also talk about books. Yes. And picture books in particular. Yes. And picture books that are considered by many to be classics. Yes. Many, not necessarily, including us. Yeah, okay. The, the, the messes. Yeah. Generally speaking. Though I know we have, we have steered away from that on, a, on occasion. But this week... We, we have a, a definite book that people consider a classic. I'm, I'm a little excited about this one. It's fairly well known, but I still think you will not have read it. That's it is very the, likely. It is the ideal book for this show in okay. many ways. Okay, I'm going to pull it out, but it's a little misleading because it's in a compendium. And no, it is not in that HarperCollins compendium that's so freaking heavy. <laughs> not in that 40-pound book? <laughs> not in the 40-pound book. It's in a much slimmer, but still... Still somewhat uh, a thick compendium, so the, the name... Can you read the name of the compendium, by the way? M Munch? Let's go with Munch. Mini Treasury 1. So this is his first mini treasury. And if I'm not too much mistaken, the very first story uh, in this book... Uh, here we go. What's the name of that? The Paper Bag Princess. Right, by Robert N. Munch. Illustrated by... Michael Marchenko. Oh, good. That will be on the quiz. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the, the Paper Bag Princess? I know people dressed up as her for Halloween, but that's it. Fascinating. Yes, and fascinating. <laughs> All right. Well, and we're going to see... I'm going to go with the fact that she's a princess mm -hmm. who wears a paper bag. Yes. Uh, you got all that from this title page here. I did. I take it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, because it's in a compendium, we don't have the original cover uh, Oh, anywhere on display. So, yeah, though it does seem to include, and this is interesting, 
a section on where did this story come from. I would suggest that you skip that and read it at the end uh, after you've read the story. Okay. All right. Go. Go read you that thing. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's get a little background information on this book. You know, we're going to discuss the origin story of the tale a little later between the two of us. So let's talk about something else. This actually comes from Robert Munch's website dedicated to the paper bag princess. Uh, he writes a lot about where the story came from. And then he has this funny little, little side note here. Quote, The original ending had Princess Elizabeth punching Ronald in the nose. When Michael Marchenko drew a picture of it, it looked a bit too violent. So we changed it around and had Princess Elizabeth call Ronald a bum. Later, when Scholastic International wanted to do a book club edition for England, Australia, and New Zealand, they said, we can't use bum. People in England don't call each other bums. They just don't do it. Princess Elizabeth should call Ronald a toad. We said that was okay, but besides doing it in England, Australia, and New Zealand, they also did it in Canada. So Canada has some paper bag princesses where Elizabeth calls Ronald a bum, and somewhere Elizabeth calls Ronald a toad. For Canada, I like bum much better. People don't call each other toads in Canada. I never have. Have you ever called somebody a toad? People just don't do it. And we're back. Best book ever. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, buddy. Whoa, slow down there, No, buddy. no, slow I don't want to. You gave me a book that I'm like, heck yeah. Oh, man. Did not see that one coming. All right. Seriously? All right. Interesting. No, no, not, not that surprised, but still kind of surprised. Okay, good. Good. Okay. So t- <laughs> tell me more. Okay. All right. So we start off with this with this princess, right? Yeah, that's right. Her name is Elizabeth. Yes. And she's in love with this prince named Ronald. I love that his name's Ronald. Who apparently stole... You remember in William's Doll, that brother? He <gasps> oh stole, my gosh. He stole the bully brother's sweater. Or he plays with the bully brother on Maybe weekends. they're in, like, in the same league. I think they're league. in the same league, yeah, yeah. If that's what tennis people have. Do tennis people have leagues? Sure. Okay. <laughs> now they do. If people uh, disagree with us, write us at fusekate at gmail.com. And I love that she has the hearts around her The little head. hearts, yes. Like, you know in uh, in uh, any, like, Charlie Brown comic strip where oh, Sally... Oh, Sally is in love with Linus. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. she has the little hearts around her head. That's what made me... So Ronald is her sweet baboo. <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> I'm just pleased I was able to use the phrase sweet baboo today. <laughs> I've been waiting for so long. So... All of a sudden, this dragon shows up, smashes down the castle, burns everything in its sight, mm-hmm. including the princess's clothes. That's awkward. And carries the prince away. Yes. Which I'm like, usually it's the princess that gets taken by the big monster, like a la King Kong. Or this is true. This she, is true. The she, large The damsel creature. in distress. Mm-hmm. It's yes. not usually the... What's the opposite of damsel? Uh, Dam... No, I was getting it. I, I had it. And I was going to say Dane, but that's not quite right either. <laughs> What's the opposite of damsel? Uh, the opposite of damsel is dude. The dude. The dude in distress. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a dude in distress. We sure do. Well, though she's not wearing clothes. No. I, I thought it was interesting because they don't cover up her chest. She is apparently prepubescent. 
Yeah. Yeah, which she, is an interesting so choice. She so must, she's clearly a kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was set to marry a prince. Well, you And know, she's like... Medieval days. What, 11, 12? Yeah, that's when they got married, usually back in the day, right? Super young? And he, and he, it's all a land grab anyway. It's, I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. Huge tracks of land. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> so she is livid. Yeah. And well, she wants figured. to get back her beautiful clothes mm-hmm. and her man. Right. Well, her boy. Her boy man. Future man. Her dude. Yeah, her dude. Her dude in distress. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to get the dude in distress back, so... We'll call him the did. <laughs> So she finds a paper bag. Now, that's the element that I find incredibly interesting. Well, you know, when you go to... There's lots of people going to grocery stores. It's true. And... It was very good that she didn't get stuck with one of those see-through, you know, <laughs> or a plastic, plastic bags bag, yeah. where you put your bananas in. Yeah. <laughs> or the uh, the cloth bag. I mean, because then she would have to put oh, on yeah. a hole. And... I don't know. That'd be pretty covering, though. I'd be, I'd be down with a cloth bag. Well, this paper bag is doing... It's a serious... Well, and also suggest she is young, because if I had a paper bag... It would, it would not, not cover up. It would maybe get up just above the hips. Yes. And, uh, not, nobody not the, wants to see that. Not yeah. the important parts. Not yeah. the important parts. So yeah. she, right, so she, the one thing that wasn't burned was this paper bag. She puts it on and follows the dragon. The flame retardant paper bag. Yes. Who leaves a trail of burnt forests and horses' bones? Well, that makes sense to me. My only question is if he's eating horses, why isn't he eating Ronald? But. Well, Maybe he's saving Ronald for dessert? That's the only thing I can figure. And to be fair, a horse would be a much better meal than Ronald. There's a lot more meat there. Right. Yeah. I, but horse's bones is a strange detail. I gotta say, though, I like her gumption. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, she's, she... She's... I, I, she I, I want to say spunky, but I feel bad using the word. I feel like spunky's seen a real downturn. Gumption. Go with gumption. All right, we're gonna go with... Oh, yeah, I like gumption. Thank you. That's a, That gives me a lot, That makes me think she's like a granny. She's not going to take crap from anyone, no. including a dragon. She's going to make do with what she can and take her boy back. Exactly. So, so she goes to the cave that has a door, apparently. Yeah. To... That typically, by the way, is the picture used on the cover, just in case you wanted to. Really? Yeah, that's the picture. Because that's Puff the Magic Dragon, if you know what I'm saying. Um, look look at him. What is your Puff the Magic Dragon reference that you're... you're calling on here um that's the a, television look, show no just look just oh oh i'm so i'm that look kind at, of look at the, the eyes look Jeez at the smoke everywhere dude. like dude i'm saying i'm please i it's i looked at that and i was like what has he been doing because well apparently, you're, you're basically you're saying that smoke's not coming from him well yeah not well <laughs> anyway anyway he's apparently eaten a whole castle and he doesn't want, and he loves to eat princesses, but he's too full. He tells her to come back. He slams the door in her face. Yeah. Rude. It's a little rude. It's a little rude. Yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't take that. Mm. She knocks on the door again. Yep. And he repeats himself. And she thinks, oh, she's got a plan. Oh, she has a glorious plan. She tricks the dragon into blowing out all of his fire. So that he has no more fire left to breathe. My question to you is, where does fire come from in a dragon? Does it come from the lungs? Does it generate... No, it comes from the belly. In the the throat? No, it's the stomach. It's the stomach that then goes up the... The gorge. uh, Up the gorge. (laughs) That's not the technical term. That is the the technical term, I do believe. Up the trachea? Thank 
gorge was the correct term, but if you want to be all fancy I don't think doctors say you have an infection in your gorge. Uh, Hello, if I was a dragon. (laughs) Yeah, they would. You have bronchitis in your gorge. (laughs) Gorgitis, yeah. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about here. I'm a dragonologist. But I looked at this picture of the dragon that is saying, because she asks the dragon, is it true you're the fiercest and smartest dragon in the whole world? And the dragon says, yes. And I looked at this dragon, and I'm like, you know who I would want to play the dragon? Ooh, who who should play the dragon? RuPaul. Oh yeah. Because I think except you can't have RuPaul as the baddie. Oh, absolutely <sighs> you can. But no one would cheer for the defeat of RuPaul. True. Right. But Ru is so fierce and fabulous. But that Ru would be a good influence on Ronald. You would never like, want to take him back. The makeup and the costume. Oh, yeah, no, no. And it would be glorious. No, it would be. Amazing. Yes. I'm not arguing, but I'm arguing. <laughs> you can't root for the dragon. That's why I would I would fight against it. Uh, I want Root to be the dragon just so I can root for the dragon. All right, all right. So the dragon... <laughs> this is where I get a little like, wait, what? But so, continue. Yeah, so Elizabeth says you can burn up 10 forests, and the dragon says, oh, yes, and the dragon burns up 50 forests. No, like... Was nobody in these forests? Or it doesn't is, matter, but yeah, that's not the point. That's not the point. We're taking in a certain hour. So right. after that... <laughs> we'll just assume these were empty forests. She says, oh, fantastic. And the dragon just loves that uh, positive uh, feedback. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah. That mm-hmm. he, oh, who doesn't? He does another... Clearly I mean, he doesn't get a lot of... We are assuming compliment. the dragon's a he, right? I believe it says he. Well, I, I keep all... seeing the dragon, oh. and then the dragon. That's very interesting. The dragon, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a mention of a he in there, but we'll let it go for now. So the dragon then burns up a hundred forests. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Why not? Where are they? Um, Romania. <laughs> I was like, are they in, like, Iceland? I don't, I don't know. The land of a thousand forests. <laughs> Ten thousand forests. I, Ireland? Sure. No. I don't know. No, not Ireland. No. In England? There was no forest in England. They what? cut them all down. Well, maybe they burned down. Oh, well, there you go. That's true. <laughs> this is medieval times. Right. All right. So then the Fair dragon point. has no more fire left to breathe. When they had paper bags. And then Elizabeth says, so is it true you could fly around the world in just 10 seconds? And the dragon says, yes. And the dragon flies around the world in 10 seconds and comes back and is a little tired. A little winded. You know what? I, I I run a mile and I get winded. Oh, I can't so, get around a block. There so, you go. Yeah, so no. the fact that he just got around the world in 10 seconds, bravo, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More power to you. That is impressive, <laughs> I think. And then Elizabeth, again with her positive reinforcement, says, fantastic. Do it again. Okay, now at this point, the dragon is just being boastful. He's well, just sure well sure. He's just showing off. Oh yeah. So he does it again, except it takes twenty seconds. Oh Ugh. Oh lazy she bum. Had, had ten seconds there just to stare at the moon. <laughs> so Dragon comes back, super tired, doesn't have any more fire, decides this is a good place, I'm gonna fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Which I don't blame him. But I love that the illustrator takes the time to because I, I was flipping back and forth between fabulous dragon and mm. tired dragon. Mm-hmm. So you have... Khaki. I'd say that's a khaki dragon, but all right. I mean, he's doing that you Bugs say... Bunny thing. You know, you know when Bugs Bunny, like... Looking at your nails. Looking at your and... nails. Like, there's no name for what that is, because why is that in pop culture at all? Were men continually, like, filing their nails in their spare time so that they could admire them? I mean, it's a fascinating move. But you, but you look at... 
fabulous dragon. Yeah, yeah. Who has the antenna. I mean, th- those are antenna that are sticking up. You have That's the peculiar. wings that are sticking up. Tiny, tiny wings. Yes. That apparently work. Oh, they work. He did fly away with Ronald. And at then one when point. you look at exhausted dragon, the wings are down, yeah, the antenna are bent, mm-hmm. the tail is droopy. Not fabulous. I just like, but still surrounded by a bunch of horse bones. <laughs> Because you can't have too many horse bones. <laughs> That's what Mama always used to say. <laughs> Peta's gonna be so angry with us. <laughs> like, so, we don't know those are natural bones that grew out of the ground. Like no, those, those are. They horse didn't bones. come from the bone tree. I'm just think. saying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that the dragon's asleep, Elizabeth decides to rescue Ronald. Right. Her her love. Her beloved. Ronald, who apparently held onto his tennis racket throughout the flight. I yeah. Well, you know, it's all he had, aside from the crown. And, oh gosh, I have so many problems with what he's wearing. First, green leggings. That's not pretty with your red shoes. No. With With the pointy toes. With the medallion around his neck. Like, I don't know what you're doing. The medallion is a real tip-off. Ladies, never trust a man wearing gold, ugly medallions. (laughs) If Bloom County taught me nothing else, it taught me that. So, yeah. I just thought it was impressive that he, look, like, yeah. he carried the tennis racket. He did. It was and important he, to him. And he clearly. looks at her and he's like, Elizabeth, you are a mess. You smell like ashes. Your hair is all tangled. And you are wearing a dirty old paper bag. Come back when you're dressed like a real princess. And I was like, girl, Ooh. girl, you better make the right decision here. Yep. You better. And she says, Ronald, oh. she says, your clothes are real pretty. And I'm like, is she going to ask for his clothes? Because <laughs> that's where we're getting into weird territory. <laughs> is this where the story's headed? Yeah. And then so... does she run away with his clothes, leaving him naked? I don't know if I would approve of that ending yeah. on a children's book. And then, but then she continues saying, and your hair is very neat. You look like a real prince, but you are a bum. <laughs> it's such a great use of bum. They didn't get married after all. The end. Like, ah. I was like, wait, is that really the end? I was like, that's amazing. It is a very good ending. That is the best yeah. ending I could have asked for. Oh, sure. I mean, you don't get to see the word bum in a lot of children's books. Ever. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. I don't have, like, a stack of, like, no, actually, like, here are all the books that have used the word... No. None of them. Yeah. None of them have used Not the word Not even bum. referring to, like, someone's behind. It's just... Oh, you're... I suppose there might be some British ones that use the word bum. I don't even know that they do, though. They kind of avoid it. So but you're a bum. Yeah. You're a bum. We're not going to get married. Yep. Peace out. <laughs> and then, and then, and she then just... she's got that joyful, like, skipping off into the sunset in her paper bag. Good for her. Yeah. Now I understand why teachers dressed up as her for Halloween. Because, exactly. Because she is a strong, full of gumption woman. I, I love it. She's she has, She's got a bright future ahead of her. Alright, speaking of which, um, I'm going to put this on the Instagram here, but this is from a school photography project. Um, and it is two people dressed up as Ronald and the paper bag princess down to the tennis whites. Well, and the crooked crown. But not wearing green leggings. Well, you know. Or red pointy shoes. It is very hard to find those shoes in, in their defense. But... He's got the medallion and the tennis racket. He does, and he looks, he looks like Ronald. <laughs> he's clearly, this is the moment where he's criticizing her. And her crown even looks like her crown, so. But she doesn't wear a crown. She does. Oh, she does. It's it looks like a, It looks like a dying sea anemone, but it is definitely there. I can understand why you might miss it. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, see that. She keeps yeah. it there. but uh, And they're still surrounded by horses, boats. Well, it's a lot of horses. <laughs> How many horses did he eat? 
how many bones are in a horse? How many I mean, horses can a dragon eat? I don't. I guess he just doesn't like the bones. So well, clearly, I mean, it's like if you have kippers. Well, would like, the pick bones them all have out, right? like calcium in? Yeah. Wouldn't that be like healthy? I don't know, man. I, don't I know. think he's just not a bone man. That's a fair. That's a fair point. I can. Right. I can respect that. So you want a little, you want a little background information on the book here? Sure. All right. So. Oh, did you go back and read the, no, the bit I didn't. on the Okay, well this would probably be I get too excited anyway. by the end. That's okay. I'm glad you got excited by the end. That, <laughs> that's good. So um, according to Robert Munch on the website that he created for this book, uh, it was first the story was first told at the Bay Area Child Care Center in Coos Bay, Oregon, hmm. where he had a job in nineteen seventy three and nineteen seventy four. So I love how far back we're going here. This book came out in nineteen eighty, I should say. So we, by all rights, should have been read it. Yeah. And we're not. No. So think about that for a moment. Um, He said he'd been telling lots and lots of dragon stories. They were all fairly regular dragon stories where the prince saves the princess from the dragon. And one day, my wife, who also worked at the daycare center, came to me and said, how come you always have the prince save the princess? Why can't the princess save the prince? Amen, sister. Yeah, I thought about that and changed around the ending of one of my dragon stories, and that made the adults a lot happier, and the kids did not mind. When The Paperbag Princess was published, it sold 3,000 copies the first year, and I thought that That's was great. Eight. Well, but since then, it has sold almost 3 million. Whoa. Yeah, it is super popular. And it's pretty short, too. It's it is very short. It's a very succinct story. Yeah. Elizabeth became the name for the princess at the Family Studies Preschool at the University of Gulf in Ontario, Canada. I should say he is Canadian. He lives in Canada. Elizabeth had lots of older brothers, and when she came to the preschool for the first time, she dropped her coat on the floor and waited for me to hang it up. And I thought, wow, this kid thinks she is a princess. When the story got published, I decided she should be the kid in it. Elizabeth still lives in Gulf. And now she has a son of her own. So there you go. Named Ronald. Named Ronald. (laughs) Named Dragon. Yes, exactly. It came in at number 86 on the top 100 picture books poll. Oh, I do. low. That is bit low on the old... uh... That is very frustrating. I am very disappointed. I know. I I don't know Then again, maybe it's just because people weren't read it as kids like we weren't. No. It is... Yeah, it's funny. Robert Munch... His, and you can see because there are these compendiums of his stories. Like I knew teachers who would just like, just like every time the classes would come in, they just all the kids would run to the like the M section of the picture books and just pull out his books because they were read his books so often. And certainly he was the first author I ever saw who had a kid in a wheelchair, and that wasn't like the point of the story. That was just the character, and he did all sorts of like fun stories. Um, in the he, book, he needs to give credit though to this book, like to you know, because it does say to Elizabeth, but then it also should say like and thank you to my wife. Well, that may be what the opening note is though, because there is that note at the beginning. I I think it would say that it was for his, that his wife came up with the idea. Certainly, he put it on the website. It does say his wife asked him, "How come you always have the there prince save the princess?" There you go. Then, so he he at least admits that the idea was not his own. And, that's that's yeah, he's upfront about it. I I, I think that we should give him credit for that. In the book Tales for Little Rebels, a collection of radical children's literature, uh, it referred to the paperbag princess as a feminist fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It is prefigured in this respect by The Practical Princess by Jay Williams, but anyway. 
Uh, there are many books since it came out that join it in this respect. There's The Princess Knight by Cornelia Funke. There's The Princess Who Stood on Her Own Two Feet and things like that. But due to the sheer love of the readership, this is probably the feminist princess book that is the best known. So I decided to see if The Toast had ever done a uh, children's books made horrific with a paperback princess. No, they had not. They did have a critique of it, and the critique of it is just very straightforward. It's not even a critique. They, they clearly love it a lot. So I'm going to hand this over to you, and if you could read the portion in the large font. Sure. Wonderful. When Elizabeth rescues him, Ronald is still holding his tennis racket, because you need to be ready for tennis at all times, even when you're imprisoned in a dragon's cave. Ronald really is like every man on the internet. He tells ex Elizabeth exactly what's wrong with her, despite that she just saved his life, maybe even saved the kingdom. Ugh, Elizabeth, you are a mess. You smell like ashes, your hair is all tangled, and you are wearing a dirty old paper bag. Come back when you're dressed like a real princess. Ronald is the original troll. But our girl Elizabeth, she doesn't take that. Ronald, she says, your clothes are really pretty and your hair is very neat. You look like a real prince, but you are a bum. And then Munch blesses us with this, the last line in the book. They didn't get married after all. The princess bag, the paper bag princess redefines happily ever after endings with this message. You shouldn't marry a douche like Ronald just because you're expected to. It's <laughs> a good line. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, by the way, never go to thepaperbagprincess.com. It has nothing to do with this book. Oh. Um, but you are correct that there are a million different paper bag princess Halloween costumes, teacher costumes, it is hugely popular. And I'm afraid, yes, there are sexy paper bag princess no. Halloween costumes. Of course there are. It's that popular? Yeah, I'm afraid so. You know it made it. I mean, what do you do? Just put a slit up the front of the paper They're bag? They're super short, I'll just say that. Very short. I mean, hers is already super short. I know, but they're like tight. I have no idea. I assume if you stepped in a rainstorm, there'd be a problem. I have no idea. It's, <laughs> it's a whole thing. You know. It's... You take it off, you could put an apple in it, and that's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was adapted into a cartoon as part of an animated series called A Bunch of Munch, which is useful because it helps me pronounce his last name correctly. Huh. Uh, and there are tons of YouTube videos of him reading it. Um, so... Before we vote on it, I do have to give you one piece of information on it. It won't change your mind about the book. It may change your mind on the author. We've done a Robert Munch book on this podcast. We did? We did. Would you like me to tell you what it was? Okay. Okay. I'm going to do a little motion here. What's, what am I no. doing? No! What am I doing, Kate? You're rocking back and forth. I am. Why, why am I doing that? I love you forever. <laughs> I love you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. By the same man. Uh, 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 I uh, uh, know. Uh, uh, what? I know. Okay, was he married when he wrote Love You Forever? Yes. Most to the same definitely. woman? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Most definitely. And which came first? This one or that one? Now, that is an excellent question. Okay. The magics of the internets have told me uh -huh. this came out in 1986, a full six years after the publication of The Paper Bag Princess. So Love You Forever came after. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Huh. And I can, 
I don't know. If I had a, a Venn diagram of people who love Paper Bag Princess and people who love Love You Forever, would that Venn diagram intersect at all? Or is it just two separate circles that drift in the atmosphere, it, I, never touching, <laughs> just just drifting there? I, there There's I, visuals to this, people. Bet, You're not seeing it, but it's very impressive. I bet there's, like, two people. Okay, so we're going to just very... Okay, there we go. So the, the fingernails Venn, cross. The fingernails of the Venn diagram have just So if you hold your hands crossed. in front of you, your palms facing you, Correct. and you have your middle These finger nails... These are circles, but right. yes. And you have your middle finger, middle finger nails finger touching nails. each other... Those are the people that intersect. That's correct. Okay, okay so those two people um, <laughs> would be fine with it. But everyone else is sort of like, what? And yeah. They're, and they're dead. And, and, <laughs> oh, and they're dead. <laughs> the cat ate them. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, ratings time. Ratings time. Well, I mean, I really hated Love You Forever. Yeah, but that's not this and book. And I really love this book. This book came out way before that book. I mean, the illustrations, I don't hate them. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know anything about this illustrator. And I'm, you know, I look at it and I think to myself, like, was he Canadian? We don't know. Did Betsy do the research on it? She did not. So, um, I think he did more than one munch book, though. Munch book. Munch. Bunch of munch. Yep. Got it. All right. <laughs> I learned nothing else today. Bunch of munch. <laughs> Bunch of munch. Bunch of munch. So, I mean, I, I don't mind the way it looks. I'm really more focused on the story. Yeah. I really like I, it. Yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm not against this, the art. If I had kids... Boys or girls, mm-hmm. I would read this book to them, okay. and 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 they could enjoy their Disney. Films I will be reading and... it to them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love the takeaway. Sure. I, I mean I am a I'm a pretty staunch feminist though. I'm all about like women with gumption, get in there, take care of business, mm-hmm. and um, call men bums, and <laughs> and not not marrying bums, and I'm, not marrying bums. I'm all You're about... all that's that's. That's your metier, if you will. Particularly like the ending. I bet you do. So and the happy dance at the end. It's a pretty good. If that if you had a tattoo from this book, would it be that or would it be a horsey bum? (laughs) A horsey bum. A horsey bone. Oh, a bone. (laughs) Not a horsey bum. I was like, would be. I remember seeing. Which is another word for Ronald. I don't know. We got there's there's a lot of different options to choose from here as far as a tattoo. I I think I would go with her crown. It's very distinctive. It is. Just the crown? Just the crown. Yeah. And then people who got it would totally get it. Yeah. There would be two of them in the entire world. But I love the sassy dragon. And that, they would also love Love You Forever. That would be RuPaul. I love the fact that, you know, she saves the day and walks away smiling, confident in herself, and I just, I really like the story. Yeah. I'm giving it an eight. Oh, that's good. That is a good and strong number. I'm, um, you know, it's the art for me that kind of drags it down a little bit, but not too much. I'm a 7.5. Awesome. All right. This it's is a, a classic. This is a strong classic. It's a very strong classic. One of the stronger ones we've had in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yay! Yay! All right. Letters time. Ooh. Now, there are advantages to doing books on this show where um, the people who wrote them are still alive. In that they sometimes write in. What? Um, remember we did Big Red Lollipop? Yeah. Roxana Khan wrote in. No, she did. Of course she did, darling. What? She's a sweetheart. Loved the podcast, Aww. says Roxana Khan. And in answer to if I wrote the story as revenge on my mother, <laughs> nope. I wrote it as atonement, basically to fix what happened. Full disclosure, my older sister's name was actually Bushra. 
and she once heard me tell my version of the story at a bookstore. She was laughing louder than anyone else in the audience, but I was nervous because there's one really significant thing I changed in the story. Sure enough, she came up to me afterwards and said, Wait a minute. You never gave me that big green lollipop. Oh. <laughs> and I said, I know, but I should have. My sister died before the book came out. Oh. And I often end and I often end the storytelling with, so I gave her the story. And a story lasts a lot longer than a big red <gasps> stop, lollipop. Stop, stop. I know. Stop. It's really, really nice. Don't cry. Don't cry. I'm just Don't saying. cry. Keep it together. Keep it together, Thank man. Thank you, Roxana. That was really sweet of you. Oh, my Thank gosh. You. She is so cool. All right. I'm, I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut no, up. I'm not. Shut up. You shut, sh- you shut up. You shut up. You shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up, big person. <laughs> All right. Next one from Laura. So Laura had some issues with the Big Red Lollipop one. She said, uh, and it refers to uh, the point where we were asking whether um, only named invitees are invited. So she says, when I planned my wedding here in the States in the Midwest, several people brought along non-named invitees, and we didn't have space for plus one. So this sort of thing happens everywhere, even in Midwestern culture. It's impossible to prescribe such a specific thing to all cultures everywhere. Two... My mother was raised in another country and moved here after she got married. As such, the birthday party slash sleepover culture was quite new to her. I think there's a very subtle plot line in the story where the mother has learned something new from her daughter about the culture she now finds herself in. She went with what she knew the first time. She repeated the pattern the second time. But there's such a moment of growth for the older sister at the end when her mother recognizes that it may not be the best way. Not only is this a story of grace and forgiveness, it's a story of a girl who has grown up and can be relied upon. A girl who can explain a foreign culture to her mother. She says, I read this book a few months ago based on Betsy's recommendation on her 100 Years 100 Books list. And while the unfairness burns, there's something truly wonderful about this book. It stays with you. And considering how many times Kate has said, but what's the lesson of the book? I should think she would have appreciated this one more. There you go, Kate. There is a lesson. Oh, there's definitely a lesson. And it makes me furious. (laughs) And then she says in parentheses, not that books have to have a lesson. Another comment for another time. Thank you for your podcast. I look forward to it every week. Aww. Oh, so I thought we would get a bigger response on the evil elephant question. Because remember, we were saying at one point, has there ever been an evil elephant? And right. everyone went all out of their way to be like foxes that aren't evil. Uh-huh. So only one person came up with an evil elephant. And I have to tip me hat real low on this one. Her name is Lita. And she and this is an amazing book. She said, oh, the elephant in The Elephant Who Liked to Smash Small Cars. <gasps> by, which I have to say, we may have to do sometime. It is one of my favorite. It's not a classic in the sense that anyone knows it. But they republished it recently, and it is amazing. Um, it is by Ronnie Salbert, illustrations by Jean Merrill, who did The Pushcar War. That's a side note. Villainous, hilarious, one of my favorite books of all time. Thank you, Lita. Excellent point. Lisa writes in. She says, hi, Betsy and Kate. I have to start by saying that I love your podcast. I look Aww. forward to it every week. Shanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could snort like that. Aww. How come you've been hiding that talent till now? I don't know. All right. Anyway, she goes on. I'm a little late in sending this, but I had to share. I'm a Kate through four librarian in New Jersey. This was the first year I did oh, a mock. What? Mo- librarians? Uh, yeah, librarians. And this was the first year I did a mock Caldecott with my students, fourth grade. Our results were as followed. Winner, blue. 
by an overwhelming majority. <laughs> the kids <laughs> love the simplicity <laughs> of the text and the strength of the emotions. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Honors. Uh, baby monkey. Yeah, understand that one. Uh, drawn together and a three-way tie between Alma and how she got her name, Hello, Hello, and the Rough Patch. Okay, so two of those did get honors. Alma and the Rough Patch. So apparently this woman was psychic and, uh, and knew that would happen. Thank you for putting together your podcast every week. And by the way, does Kate have any real tattoos or just the imaginary kind? <laughs> no, Kate does not have any tattoos. Kate does not. Because if she did, she would grow real bored of them five minutes after she got them and would say, I don't like it anymore. Kate is what we <laughs> like to call self-aware. <laughs> she, yeah. is, she is on board with I that. I have thought about getting a tattoo, though. If you had to get a tattoo, what would you get? I have no idea. No. It changes every five minutes. I would heck, I would recommend the elephant who likes to smash small cars. It would be a delightful tattoo. You know, the trend right now is to get tattoos of, like, very delicate, thin lines. One of my favorite tattoos I ever saw was someone had a connect the dots of a giraffe. And then... I it do was a, like the connect was, the dots It was ones. a great pickup thing. Yeah. You want to connect my dots? Okay, I don't know about that. See what you, see what you can find there. It's a giraffe! <laughs> like, that's not a good... It's not a good any, but, you know... Unless giraffe means something to other people. Okay, now I, I want a tattoo of a connected dust giraffe. Exactly. Uh, Grown-up things we like. Okay, this is going to be real mature. Okay. You ready All for right. it? And, and it's kind of a spoiler because a lot of people have already seen this because we put it up on our Instagram. Oh, go for so it. So it was very cold here in Chicago. It was negative 22 degrees. Yeah, Arctic. Arctic. Po- uh, polar vortex. Polar vortex. That's what yes. I was looking for. It Thank was, you. It was colder than Antarctica. It was colder mm-hmm. than Siberia. Yep. So what do you do when it's very, very, very cold outside? What do you do, Kate? You put on an inflatable dinosaur costume and you throw hot water in the air. Did that dinosaur costume keep you warm? It actually did. I thought it might. Those things are ungodly it hot. Would, well, it was interesting. I figured because there's a little fan, yeah, you know, to keep yeah, it inflated. Yeah. And uh, I was actually telling uh, my dentist about this yesterday, and that this is because he said, "What'd you do when it was cold?" I said, "I wore an inflatable dinosaur costume and threw hot water in the air." They must look forward to your visits every week. <laughs> they, they must. They do. You can. Your content. And he provider. said, "Why did you wear an inflatable dinosaur costume?" And I said, "Why wouldn't I wear an inflatable Hello, dinosaur costume?" It's cold outside. So we took a video of it, mm-hmm. and it's up on our Instagram. It is. So if you it follow is. us at Fuse Number Eight. Kate, mm-hmm. you can watch a video of me throwing a pot of hot water in the air and it turning immediately into steam. Yes. And it is quite cool. I, a lot of people got injured trying to do that experiment. Yes. Oh, I yes. made sure to see where the wind was going. Smart girl. And, uh... This dinosaur did not go extinct. So... <laughs> but ching yeah. So if you are experiencing very cold weather, mm-hmm. um, and you are with proper adults who know what they are doing and yes. can supervise properly. We did not do properly. this with my children because I knew I would scald them both and that yeah. would be bad. So, yeah. yes. so um, but if you get the chance to do it, yeah. you should try it. It looked neat. It's really cool. <laughs> did, you, did you blow any bubbles? I know people were doing that too. You know, it's very hard to do that in a dinosaur costume. Ah. So I tried to take the uh, the wand <laughs> of the bubbles. You know I tried. Oh, you so did. I took the wand of the bubbles and I flicked it back and forth, but I couldn't quite... You needed those big bubble wand yeah. things, yeah. Yeah. And the little one didn't quite work. Well, next polar so, vortex, then. Yeah. Right. So that's I'm my sure. grown-up thing. <laughs> okay. That's not bad. That's Thank not you. bad. Um, Maya's podcast. So I've worked through my usual, and I have I have some that are um, so frequent that I don't ever listen to them. And one of them is a podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class. I may have mentioned it in the past. I really enjoy it. I'm not a history person, but... 
boy, they come up with the most interesting stuff. And at the end of every single year, they come up with a series, and the series is called Unearthed. And Unearthed is a collection of everything in the previous year that people have dug up and found. Like, really cool, crazy... Like, for example, did you know that in Egypt, they were... Some construction workers were digging, like you do, and they came upon this huge black sarcophagus with no, like, name on it, and nobody knew what it was. And, of course, the internet instantly thought, oh, if you open that, we're all going to be cursed and we'll die. It'll right. be the end of the world. To the point where I think the prime minister actually made a statement saying, we have opened the sarcophagus and none of us have been cursed. <laughs> and they thought also that maybe it would have Alexander the Great in there because apparently we've never found his grave. And there's a lot of debate as to what country he was ever buried in. So people were like, oh, maybe it's finally Alexander the Great. Um, unfortunately, it was not very uh, well preserved in, in the sense that it was full of sewage, let's just say. Mm. Yeah, and three bodies. And so Ooh. we're pretty sure it was not Alexander the Great because he would not have been buried with two other people. Right. Um, so they just shipped the whole thing off. And apparently there were lots of internet jokes after that on if you drink sarcophagus juice. Okay. And you can, you can live just forever. You can just stop right there. Anyway, love <laughs> me my stuff you missed in history class. Uh, it updates way too regularly, which is my problem with it. It's like, I swear, three times a week. I can't keep up, but if you listen to nothing else, listen to those episodes. They are delightful. Cool. Yay! Can I can I offer you a glass of sarcophagus juice? No, I'm good. You might you might live forever. No. no. I'll, I'll be a bum and I'll just <laughs> dance off. I'm so glad you worked in the bum. I was hoping we could do that. Well, I just had to, you know. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. So weird. I've been messy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.